the Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. Cranberry Radio proudly presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, chief storyteller at Styled Retail, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, an article by Chuck Martin. Uh, Chuck always has great articles on tech. And today he was talking about the Internet of Things and some insights that he's learned from a couple of recent surveys looking at millennials and how they're gravitating to the Internet of Things. And if you'll recall, IoT, as it's called, is really about the connectivity of of all of these devices and how these things work together. And it's no great surprise, I suppose, that millennials are gravitating more to the Internet of Things than, say, any other demographic. In fact, 87% of them have a smartphone, uh, the same as those older than 35, according to a new survey. However, when it comes to smartwatches, now you may or may not have one, I don't, almost two times more millennials than non-millennials have one, and that's based on a survey by Fluent. Now, even some teens are likely to own a wearable, according to yet another study by Adestra, which is a marketing tech company. They found that 9% of teens are likely to own a wearable, along with 19% of millennials. Now, Apple is the device um, of choice when it comes to most millennials. Uh, According to Fluent, most of them own an iPhone, an iPad, a Mac, and an Apple Watch in some percentages here, and more than two times the number of millennials versus non-millennials actually own that Apple Watch. Um, now, non-millennials also own an iPhone, an iPad, a Mac, and an Apple Watch, but at much, much lower numbers. Uh, when it comes to privacy, because if you remember the Internet of Things, they share all your information, uh, more non-millennials, 74%, the millennials are concerned that companies will not respect their privacy when using personal information, which may kind of lead to those lower percentages we're talking about. But clearly, it's something we're all getting much more comfortable with. The younger you are, the more comfortable you are with it, which makes total sense. Our post profile today is the Gucci girl. Now, this is a woman who's very comfortable with the Internet of Things. It's a single woman in her late 20s, early 30s with a high income, very fashion conscious. There's about 2 million of these women out there, college grads, employed full-time, not married, of course, no kids in the home, making around 90000 a year. And they do keep up with fashion. Fashion magazines help decide um, the clothes that they're going to buy. They buy new clothes every season. Uh, They like to experiment with new styles. They'll switch up brands for novelty and change. And they're the first to try new stores and new brands. Um, They will shop just for the love of shopping, even if they actually don't go out and purchase anything. They're ambitious and money-driven, and um, they consider themselves to be socialites. They love to entertain. They like to shop with friends. Uh, and they do have a close circle of friends. So where are they shopping? Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, Banana Republic, 
or all tops with these ladies. They're driving Infinity, Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, and Jeep. And um, Gucci, of course, Kenneth Cole, Calvin Klein, Chanel are all top brands for them as well. So you can intersect them with magazines. As I mentioned before, they read a lot of magazines. So Cosmo, Glamour, InStyle, Vogue, Self are all big ones. Um, websites, they're on um, eBay, Travelocity, um, doing a lot of that work there, and uh, they're they're watching a lot of cable like E, Lifetime, Bravo, HGTV, TLC. Well, my guest today uh, knows a lot about women, a lot about men and women, and a lot about how um, we talk to ourselves. Um, and in this case, um, it's about that negative self-talk. It often plagues women. Um, it, it also, we found find out, often plagues men. It is a human condition. So how can we overcome it? Well, Marsha Hyatt will join me to talk about that. She's a leadership and life coach who co-founded the Center for Emerging Leadership and hosts her own weekly podcast called Best of Ourselves. I'm thrilled to have Marsha back on the show today to talk about how we can get okay with our inner critics. So everybody stick around. Purse Strings returns after the break. Purse Strings. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising, or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. It's time to take your ad testing out of the Mesozoic era and into the Ezoic era. Ezoic is the world's first machine learning platform, creating tailored ad combinations to monetize your website. Our automated ad testing not only boosts ad income, but increases page views, improves bounce rate, and will impress the user experience. Start your 30-day free trial today at Ezoic.com and join thousands of publishers who are already earning 60% more with Ezoic. That's E-Z-O-I-C.com. Ezoic, make your website smarter. Ezoic is a Google certified publishing partner. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital. Online anytime. This is Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Purse Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. 
Welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me today is Marsha Hyatt, a leadership and life coach who's co-founded the Center for Emerging Leadership and hosts a weekly podcast called Best of Ourselves. Now, if Marsha sounds familiar, it's because you've probably heard about her right here on the show. She was here, oh gosh, earlier this year um, talking about uh, leadership and uh, really why women are challenged sometimes in that arena. And I'm thrilled to have her back uh, to share her experience, uh, which is very, very deep. Um, As you may know, she has experience working inside companies, government, higher ed, and nonprofits. Uh, Boy, has she been around, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a very good way. Back in 1991, she co-founded a leadership consulting firm, and then six years later, co-founded the public Women's Leadership Development Program that still operates today. So this is a woman with a wealth of insight, and I'm thrilled to have her back today to talk about our inner critic. Welcome back, Marcia. Nice to be back with you, Maria. Thank you. Well, it, it has been several months since you were on the show, so let everybody know what you've been up to since we last spoke with you. That is hard to summarize. I learn, I am always learning so much and uh, working on, I'm working on a series of one-hour radio shows on things like resilience and um, leadership, things that I'm, I care about, so that I'm having a lot of fun with that and working on always my coaching, trying to get better and stronger as a coach because it's really fun and, and rewarding work. Well, and one-hour shows is no easy feat, so I'm sure that is absolutely keeping you busy. Well, I'm glad you could make the time to be with us today, and and really what we're here to talk about today, I think many of us have tried to overcome and are still probably battling uh, with it each and every day, and that's that small inner voice that sometimes pops up and tells us, you know, we're not good enough. We don't deserve it. Maybe it's even telling us that we're, you know, we're not so smart and we're not pretty enough or whatever we may be feeling vulnerable about. But you're here to tell us that that inner voice can actually change for us. Um, Please talk a little bit first about why you think that voice is so strong for many of us. Why do we even have it in the first place? And I'm assuming we all do have that inner critic. There may be some people out there who never hear that voice. Well, that's isn't it interesting? What I love about the work of Brene Brown is that she made it okay to be dealing with that inner voice. Her work on shame uh, says basically, unless you have some kind of psychosis, you're dealing with some level of an inner critic, that voice that's trying to keep you safe, trying to keep you approved of, kind of trying to keep you in control. And so it's something we learn really early, and it is just part of the human condition. And uh, it, as you relate those messages of the kinds of things that we say to ourselves, it can be really, really harsh to live with that as a loud voice or even a whisper in our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very harsh. And as we all say, we're all our worst critic, right? And but I, but I have to ask, you know, you you mentioned something about safety. You know, there there is that voice that may have good reasons for being there. Is ever that inner critic voice healthy for us to hear? Healthy. It's I guess normal would be the way okay. to, to describe it. I think uh, I think healthy is the way we respond to it. So the the fact is, and this is the first thing, the self-forgiveness is like we have 
a proclivity to think about negative. We have a proclivity to make up stories that are negative. It is really easy. It's part of our human condition. I mean, you think about our ancestors. They heard a noise in the grasses of the savanna. If they were optimists and thought it was just the wind, they may not have survived when the tiger came around the corner, you know? So mm-hmm. we have, we have it in us, um, pretty, pretty strongly to go to the negative. And we have it in us pretty strongly to, um, to have some messages that we heard as kids that we internalized that said, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not whatever, pretty enough, smart enough, whatever. It happens. I think for us, the healthy part can be learning that, A, it's normal, so self-forgiveness, it's nothing to... I used to beat myself up for beating myself up. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> like the double whammy. Um, and, and it's, but it, once I learned, it's like, you know, this is just part of the human condition here. So, uh, A, that really helps. And the other part is the people that have resilience. And, by the way, dealing with the inner critic with self-compassion is huge in helping us being persistent and resilient. And so the more we learn about, okay... I can, I, I'm suffering here. I'm being really hard on myself. I love Jill Bolte Taylor calls it the inner terrorist. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got the inner terrorist talking to me now. And when you notice that and, and don't take it as the reality, uh, then, then you can have some healthy, um, disengaging responses to it. Don't, we don't think we ever get rid of it. We just get better and better, uh, not having the inner critic in the driver's seat. Cause when it's in the driver's seat, one, we're living in some pretty harsh, negative, toxic sewage. Um, and two, it makes it really hard to bounce back to focus on what matters most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think women are more prone to hear this voice than men? Uh, you know, that's, that's a great question. And I don't think so, no, uh, because it's part of the human condition. What mm-hmm. you know, Brene Brown talked about was that men's sources of shame are around strength and weakness. And mm-hmm. so when it comes to self-compassion, that sounds a little soft. It sounds a little weak. It sounds like you're admitting your vulnerability. And so what uh, my sister teaches self-compassion and Christ- Christopher Germer, um, who wrote uh, The Mindful Path of Self-Compassion, they talk about how when you put self-compassion in the title of a workshop, of the attendees will be women Mm. because because (laughs) I think we are, we are more open to dealing with and acknowledging our vulnerability. And it's, you know, you think about it for, for men, uh, that would say something else that would be a vulnerability, Mm -hmm. but it is, it is there for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So interesting. You talked about, go, go ahead. Well, the other thing I was just going to say about, you know, men versus women, I think both men and women hold this myth that that inner critic is a motivator. I remember having a coaching client when we, we outed her inner critic, and she said, no, no, I can't get rid of that. That's what keeps me good. <laughs> and, so, and, and I think a lot of, again, men and women hold that image. There is no evidence to back that up. As a matter of fact, the evidence says, when you introduce self-compassion, you hit the reset button faster. You get back on track faster. But um, we have this sort of, you know, story. We tell ourselves that uh, I don't deserve this kindness or I, I'll do better if I really push myself in a mean kind of way. Mm-hmm. 
you know, with that self-compassion that you talk about, do you ever feel like that it becomes a crutch, like it becomes a cop-out for people at some point that they use self-compassion for bad, if you will, to continue to perpetuate Mm. some things? I mean, do you ever see that? You know, that's a great, I think, distinction. Um, the way Kristen Neff, who's a really fabulous researcher um, and has some fabulous resources online, she talks about the difference between self-indulgence and uh, self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Uh, self-compassion means I've noticed I'm suffering. I've noticed I'm being really, really hard on myself. Sometimes, for me, I feel like this wash of ickiness, you know, in me. It's like, okay, something's going on here. Um, And so self-compassion is basically kindness towards yourself. It's not the same as self-indulgence, which is, uh, oh, I might as well just open the carton of ice cream and watch TV all day. (laughs) Or, um, or, or, and or, Lack of awareness. I think uh, we can all be delusional. We, you know, we all have that capacity to not look at ourselves clear-eyed, and that's something to learn over our lifetime. And so I think one of the ways we can misunderstand self-compassion is it's um, supporting me in staying uh, stuck uh, because it's like I'm, I'm being easy on myself, where the opposite is true. I'm actually observing what's going on, observing what's keeping me stuck, and... Um, putting kindness towards it as opposed to harshness. And it's shocking, but that kind of acceptance leads to real change. And there's a lot of evidence of that now, that that kind of self-kindness, awareness, um, and not beating ourselves up for being imperfect human beings softens us and opens us to actual change. Love it. You talk about creating a habit of that self-compassion. So let's talk about how you do that because, um, and you've hinted at it in this conversation already about being self-aware of it, right? But what are some mm-hmm. of the steps that you can do to create that habit of self-compassion? The first really, yeah, you said that awareness, that, that is really key because it's often a whisper. It's often almost inaudible. I remember when I started doing more public things and that I just felt bad. I just felt, um, I don't know how to describe it. I just felt tight. and and, and, And what I finally heard was this voice saying, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And so when I, so by hearing that, um, I can know that that's me, you know, an old habit, an old storyline, it's me trying to keep me safe, but it's not the truth. Mm-hmm. And so that awareness um, becomes essential. And it's hard because often, I know for me, and I think this is pretty common in our culture, I just wanted to numb out when I felt that what that awful tight ick part. I just wanted to uh, have a glass of wine, <laughs> eat some chocolate, you know, watch TV. And, um, and what I've learned is if I can just like pay attention, is this the inner critic here? Is this that voice that is uh, being really, am I suffering? Am I being really hard on myself? That once I know that, then I can ask myself questions like, um, what would be kind to me right now? Uh, what what would support feel like right now? And and also one thing I do like in the, you know I don't know if you get the two a.m. wake up um, no, kind the of time. inner critic yeah. but <laughs> so that when that one when that one kicks in and whatever you know whatever ch- uh, gets it going two a.m. it's really good at being loud. Um, I I'll do a, a meditation called Tong Len, which is one of the things that Kristen Neff 
says is we need to understand that our inner critic is part of being human. Our imperfection is part of what makes us part of humanity. And it's nothing to be ashamed of or to beat ourselves up over. So there's a Tong Lin meditation. So if I'm thinking, oh, I'm a failure, oh, I, you know, uh, I said something stupid, whatever, I will, um, if I can't just disengage, if I can't just do kindness or um, just be aware of it and try to change the channel, Sometimes I'll do this meditation where you breathe in all who suffer from that fear that they're not enough. You breathe in, you breathe in that, and then you breathe out loving kindness. And what it does is it puts my own suffering in perspective. And honestly, by three breaths, I have softened it. Mm-hmm. So awareness, self-kindness, and knowing it's part of the human condition. There is, matter of fact, the more we can accept the whole of ourselves, which is the shadow, the not-so-pretty stuff I would not want on videotape, the more I can accept that, uh, the more I can relax, be peaceful, be resilient, and focus my energy on what has meaning. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, and you talk about that outcome being resiliency and, and having the mm-hmm. ability to withstand everything that the world is is aiming at us. There's other things that are really positive that are outcomes to being more self-compassionate. Can you talk a little bit about those? Oh, absolutely. It's interesting. There's more happiness associated with it, more sense of well-being associated with it. Uh, I, the, you know, for years, there's been this self-esteem movement where mm-hmm. you know we, we focus on our kids thinking, you know, they're the best, they all get gold stars. And um, that actually is not as correlated with happiness as self-compassion because you can we're not going to be always a gold star kid. And so um, there's a lot of uh, less resilience with self-esteem. Not that you don't want good self-esteem, but self-compassion is what helps us be more able to withstand whatever life is giving us at that moment. Uh, yes, and I love there's different studies, like New Year's resolution kind of studies, where you have, okay, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to exercise more. Um, what they say is when you fall off the wagon, there's research to prove this, when you fall off the wagon, and we all invariably don't, well, there's very few of us that consistently do what we say we're going to do every day, and what the research is really, really clear. If I introduce self-compassion to that, as opposed to the usual inner critic, I am more likely to get back on the wagon, get back on my commitment faster, mm. which I just love that, as opposed mm. to what most of us do, which is beat myself up. See, I can't do it. No point even <laughs> right. trying. Yeah. Yeah. I keep falling off the wagon. Why am I doing that? Yeah. And I... <laughs> Exactly. And so then it's, if I say, okay, well, there's an awareness piece to that. It's like, okay, what, what, was the, you know, what was the trigger for knocking me off of my exercise regime or why am I eating a carton of ice cream tonight? <laughs> but, and um, and what, I, what introduced that, and I, I must be suffering or am I suffering and noticing that. And then, yeah, you know, and you know what? Falling off the wagon, whatever my commitment was, is a pretty normal human thing. Many of us, most of us suffer from that. And bringing that into my awareness, even after I say it, I feel myself soften. I know just, okay, this is what is. Now what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Marcia, I want to talk a little bit about gratitude because this is a very big component in what we're talking about today. So everybody stick around. Marcia Hyatt will be back to talk about how to... Beat down that inner critic. Stick around. 
purse strings. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Cranberry, Cranberry Radio. We're everywhere. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Pick out some new favorite podcasts now. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Marsha Hyatt joins me today. Marsha's been on the show before. Uh, she's a leadership and life coach who co-founded the Center for Emerging Leadership and hosts a weekly podcast called Best of Ourselves. And we've been talking about that inner critic, that inner voice that tells us oftentimes many negative things about ourselves and can be extremely self-defeating. Uh, Marsha's talked about how to quiet that voice of that inner critic by amping up our self-compassion, which leads to more resiliency, which actually leads to more happiness. And um, I'm just curious, Marsha, once someone's really started working on beating down that inner critic, how long does that process take to kind of form this habit of of self-compassion that has such benefits for all of us? Well, it is a lifelong process, quite honestly. You get better and better at it. You get more and more aware. But the more, I mean, I've been doing self-growth, you know, or self-awareness for a long, long, long time. And it just deeper, deeper questions come up, more challenging pain sometimes comes up. And so I'm more practiced at it. And 
I don't know how to say this. I, I'm, I'm, sometimes I have to be Olympic quality <laughs> in mm-hmm. my self-compassion. <laughs> and have I done enough practice to be ready for Olympic quality? Um, that's the question. So it really is not about perfection. It's not about getting there. It's about the way Kristen Neff says it. It's about care, not cure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it is a process. Because, you know, quite honestly, I'm not ever going to get to perfection. <laughs> so the same with my Darn, inner critic. Darn, I'm not really? <laughs> We're not? Oh, hey, maybe shoot. that's just me. Maybe that's just me, Maria. Maybe, you know, it's, it's there for you. But for me, <laughs> I'm kind of letting go of that one. Uh, yeah. And that helps. That helps a lot. Because then I, I'm less harsh. Because like, okay, yeah, poof, there I go again. I'm laughing at myself as opposed to getting the hammer out. Yeah, I like that. Care versus cure. I think that's really, really wise. And we do have to keep in mind that this is a lifetime challenge or opportunity, if you want to put the positive spin on that, to make ourselves more resilient and and eventually more happy. But you also talk about gratitude. And I just love this because I think this is kind of a, a mind shift for many of us to talk about what we have rather than what we don't, which oftentimes that inner critic is combating the the negative, right? The what we don't. Yes. Talk a little bit about why it's so important, this, this sense of gratitude in this whole process. Oh, yeah. It, it pairs perfectly with your um, softening the inner critic voice or becoming more aware of it because the gratitude practice, which doing the podcast that I've done for seven years and all this research I keep reading – one thing, if I can remember one thing, it's this gratitude. It practices in your day have this wonderful ripple effect because, as I said earlier, we are wired uh, for negativity. We're wired for what could go wrong. We're wired to make up stories and get lost in our thoughts about why they haven't returned my call. And we forget the incredible quantity of blessings we have in our moments. And by building a practice, you're basically creating some neural pathways in your brain. You're creating uh, a, a different way of focusing. And so it takes practice because it is not natural for us. And I'm not talking about being uh, delusional. I'm not talking about rose-colored glasses. I'm talking about what is actually there that we need to, uh, we will benefit from noticing. Like, am I feeling the sun on my skin? Am I feeling the rain on my skin? Am I... Uh, did I have a shower with hot water? Mm-hmm. Did I sleep? You know, at least, did I wake up? You know, mm-hmm. We have an immense quantity of blessings. Do I have people or animals that care about me in my life? All of these things that are there, um, we are so vulnerable to overlooking. So people that do research say there's a lot of um, gifts in having a gratitude journal where you literally every day write down uh, what you're grateful for, what you appreciated. And I'll tell you my bad days, uh, I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and I struggle to think of anything else. But on my good days, I mean, I, I can fill up pages and pages because I saw a flower and I, I talked to a beloved friend and I have, you know, I have many, many gifts in my life. I turned on the tap and there was water there. There's so many things to pay attention to. So gratitude journaling really, really essential. Saying it out loud. Um, Some practices are just noticing and then uh, saying it out loud can make it a little bit more 
crystallized, a little more solid. The, the, what Christopher Germer is saying he's working on now, and he's, uh, oh no, this is Robert Emmons. He's a re- major researcher in gratitude. He's working on just the language that he uses. He uses a language of appreciation, a language of acknowledging, well, thank you for that kind word, or, uh, you know, thank you for that smile, or I so appreciate everything that's happening to me. Again, not, uh, I want to say, not delusional, not mm-hmm. false. Mm-hmm. But it's just, a, a, it's, a, it's like a, I've changed my looking from the dark to the light. I've switched mm-hmm. my lens on my head to right. from what's going wrong. And so, you know, you want to, again, not be delusional because we need to be dealing with our shadow. We need to be de- facing our inner critic. But that gratitude focus increases our capacity to be present with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And gives us a little sense of balance, too, I would imagine, at the same time. You work Absolutely. with people very closely on this, Marcia, and clearly have seen great success. Can you just share a couple of quick examples of people that you've seen go through this process and kind of how they ended up, like how they continue to focus on, um, you know, uh, being healthy with their inner critic? Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes, I mentioned earlier, working with folks, once we can identify what is the inner critic voice? That's helpful. And some of my clients have given it names, you know, like a like a, a funny name, just to kind of lighten it up a little bit. But that naming is an important aspect because it's like, oh, that's that voice again, right? So that becomes really helpful. And I can think of a couple of clients that have worked with um, for a period of time. That inner critic was keeping them small. They had dreams. They had aspirations and abilities that they were denying in themselves. It's sort of like, who do you think you are, voice? And uh, mm-hmm. they won't like you if you do that voice. And by getting more resilient, having that voice be less in the driver's seat, um, I can think of people that have just shifted their career and just done gangbusters in going after what they what they really always felt was theirs to do, um, which is so exciting. Like someone went back for a PhD, another person is writing um, a book and doing a whole new uh, way of thinking about her work. It's so exciting. The other piece that I'll see, and I'll, and I'll tell you, I'll be a, I just go like a cheerleader when I hear these <laughs> kind of stories, where someone will say, "Okay, I failed at something, and I, uh, I felt like a, I felt like I was a failure, and I was." noticing it, and then I thought, oh, that's the inner critic. And then it's as if mm-hmm. you have this observer. You've got this observer watching it and saying, but that's not, that's not the whole reality. That's just an old habit you've got here. And so that inner witness um, becomes this incredible, powerful time to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love hearing those stories as I'm aware of it. I could... I could maybe change the channel, maybe I couldn't, but that, when you are there and you are witnessing it yourself and knowing it's not the reality, Mm -hmm. freedom is around the corner. Right. Huge strides have been made for sure. Um, So if people are listening today and they're going, okay, I need me some of that. I need some help. I need some help getting back to inner critic. Marsha, how can they reach you if they need your help specifically in tackling this issue? Sure. Well, I have a, a website, MarshaHyatt.com, and you can go on there and uh, read more about the work I do and you know, see if it's a fit. And I also have the Best of Ourselves podcast, which is just five minutes long. And a lot of folks go on there as a way to, and I have little five-minute sessions on the inner critic and five-minute sessions on acceptance and five-minute se- 
sessions on change. And so folks can go on there, too. If, if coaching is not where you're at right now, uh, you can maybe get some ideas just from listening to those. And that's at bestofourselves.com. Perfect. So MarciaHyatt.com and bestofourselves.com. Marcia, as always, just so delighted to have you on. You just share such great positivity out there, even when talking about our very negative inner critics. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you, Maria. Lovely being with you again. And thanks to my producer, George, and join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited.